Breaking news. <laughs> the aliens are here, people. It's time. Alien. The rapture is upon us. Now, when you're saying aliens, do you mean like people from Mexico? No. <laughs> I mean extraterrestrials. Oh. Do you remember that Spin City episode? The Spin City episode. We'll get into it later. That's tied to this, I think. Very Fun. underrated show, Spin City. Absolutely. But we are also joined on the line once again by Adam Dupuis. Hello. Uh, you might remember he was the former Salesian, talked about leaving and getting hitched, and um, he might have to peace out real quick and come back because he is on baby duty. Mm. Such are the they, like, fun things of parenthood, but she's been sleeping through the night for quite a quite a while now, but i got the baby monitor in front of me just in case something happens. Right, right on, right on. Well, again, uh, Adam reached out to us. We're doing a joint podcast. Um, ours, if you're listening to this, obviously, you know, we're Cracks in the Cloisters. Adam, why don't you give a quick rundown about yours? Sure. My uh, podcast is called The New Balances Podcast, a uh, fun little play on uh, New Balance sneakers, you know, the things that are mandated that you wear when you become a father, those nice, uh, sleek, white New Balances before they get grass stains on them. Um premise of it basically is essentially any time you have a change in life you have to learn to adapt and overcome and sort of assimilate to the new surroundings that you find yourself in so whether it be leaving a uh, religious life and entering into the dating world or leaving the dating world and entering into married life and then further marching on down the road from married life to uh, parenthood and all of the fun uh adventures that that entails so that's uh, adam when you say when you say new balances are we talking velcro or shoelaces uh oh. shoelaces for now you know i'm sure maybe <laughs> oh. in about 40 years we'll go velcro i remember back uh, in like middle school uh getting out of elementary school into middle school time frame i was all about velcro because i thought this is so much easier i don't have to worry about it it's just so quick and practical um, yep. But then, you know, you're mercilessly mocked. So, uh, you know, kind of had an impact on me. So I avoid Velcro right now, but uh, not saying no in the future. Dude, I'm going to say something. I say this out of love. You know I say this out of love, right? I can tie like, my shoes, Father. Now, <laughs> I was, I, well, I, that's where I was going to go with it, man. Like, as a former very large man, you know, I, I clocked in at 320 at my biggest. I, I remember when I was up in Boston, we went to Constitution. I was wearing size 54 pants, and they were snug. Mm-hmm. I remember. Velcro is quick and easy, man. You got less time down there, less time where you're holding your breath trying to get those shoelaces tied. Yeah. Just saying. Thankfully, I am a flexible, fat person uh, and can <laughs> manipulate myself to tie my shoes and still breathe at the same time. Oh, that's impressive. Yeah. I'll now, I, I don't want us to begin to normalize this idea where you just say, you know, I'm about to say this out of love, right? 
and then you say like something cutting. <laughs> but but isn't that what love is? Like, isn't love the guy? I think we talked about this before. To me, love is the guy I can punch in the teeth. He's going to punch me back, but then we're going to get a beer afterwards. He's going to be like, all right, you done? Yeah, yeah. You better now? Mm-hmm. Almost. Well, let's go get a beer. Mm. We all come Again, back like, to, you know, because we all know Father Demetrius long time. Not the best driver in the world. So there's things that no. he is really good at. <laughs> and then there are things that he's not really good at. You know, being uh, a lovable person, sometimes yes, sometimes no. And uh, jokes, same sort of thing. But he is a very smart individual. It's just his choice and application of that smartness from time to time gets called into question. He, yes, he is kind of, uh, I describe him as a Swiss army knife of a human. He's kind of good at a lot of things, like random things like sewing and like car stuff. A sewing machine set up right here. And jujitsu and tech. He has kind of a jack-of-all-trades kind of thing going. Yeah, but driving is definitely not one of my skill sets. <laughs> it's not like I wrecked two cars this year. Oh, man. This year? This year, yeah. yeah. Were they both your they got- fault? No, the one, according to the police report, was nothing I could have done. I hit black ice. State trooper literally put there was nothing I could have done. It was unexpected black ice. But I did total a hybrid. So, like, Expensive. Like, gone. That gone. Was just a, that was just a protest against, like, environmentalists. Like, like hybrids screw this. No. Well, I was in coal country. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I can't be caught in this thing <laughs> around here. <laughs> but all jokes aside, um... What sort of emphasized this today or this meeting of the minds was uh, Adam thought it would be good to talk about, and I have the clip queued up here, those who didn't pay attention, those who haven't heard yet, there was some interesting testimony in Congress this past week. Um, I don't know if it was the Senate or the House. Do you guys remember if it was the Senate or the House? It was in the House. Okay. Nancy Mace. Yes, Nancy Mace. And here is Nancy Mace asking, it was a sort of a whistleblower conversation slash, you know, wait a minute, the government spent how much money on UFO investigations in the past 10 years uh, conversation? And this is the crazy clip. So um, just so you know, this is a public hearing. So there'll be some references to things where basically they're saying, you know, like, hey, I can't tell you that now, but you as a congresswoman have top secret clearance. I can tell it to you in private. We can talk later. But so set up the clip uh, investigation to UFOs and well let's hear what has shocked sort of the nation do you believe our government has made contact with intelligence something I can't um, okay I can't ask when you think this occurred <laughs> if you believe we have crashed craft uh, stated earlier do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft as I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came to some of these recoveries. Yeah. Um, were they, I guess, human or non-human biologics? Non-human, and that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. And was this documentary evidence, video, photos, eyewitness? Like, how would that be determined? The specific documentation I would have to talk to you in a skip about. So Skiff is a private setting. 
So, a little crazy, right? But also, not as much information as people think, I think. Like, if we break that down, if we rip that apart, there's actually a lot said, but also a lot not said. I don't know if you guys have picked up on that. Well, the whole yeah. idea mm-hmm. of something being called non-human biologics. A rock hitting a bird, or Randy Johnson's baseball hitting a bird, makes it non-human biologics on the bird. Exactly. You know, like like I said to somebody else, you know, this doesn't mean... Because, let's not lie, in the jiu-jitsu world, there's a lot of flat earthers, there's a lot of alien conspiracy people, there's a lot of conspiracy people. Mm-hmm. Which is why, I ain't gonna lie, it's been a rough two years because a lot of those conspiracies, like, well, COVID came from a lab. Oh, the vaccine doesn't do anything. And then, like, data sheets come out, and like, why do you have to get a win? Mm-hmm. But, like I was telling some of those guys, saying non-human biologic, I mean, it it could have been a Russian shooting a dog in his face again. We don't know. But it does phrase the question. You know, I mean, eh, if they were extraterrestrial, if they were not of this world, then we are left with the important question. Okay, maybe we just need to forget about the Gilgamesh for a second and focus... Forget about the Gilgamesh! I'm just saying, what works on planet Gilgamesh isn't necessarily going to work for the rest of us here on Earth. You know, how do we deal with the Gilgamesh Catholic? It's the question of our time, isn't it? (laughs) It is, but also, what is, uh... I'm gonna come... From the standpoint of people who might be listening who have no idea what that clip is from. What is it? Oh. Because those okay. people exist. <laughs> that is true. There's a very large number of people that aren't going to recognize that clip. That is from one of the very early seasons of South Park. That is from like 2003. And in that episode, uh, the priest is dealing with uh, basically an ecumenical council. With those who don't know what an ecumenical council is, is when all the bishops get together to discuss important issues of theology. And one of the representations there were the Galgamet Catholics, which were the Catholics from outer space. And they had some objections to one of the ideas being proposed. And because these people exist? No. <laughs> no, it's South Park. It's South Park being South Park. <laughs> but it does pose the question of if there are, because Here's the thing, actually, you guys might not know, but I did some digging. The church has wrestled with the question, if intelligent extraterrestrial life is found, what does that mean for the incarnation? What does that mean for salvation? Because as a religion, we don't believe that all dogs go to heaven. We don't believe that, like, little Fido gets to see the divine experience of God. We don't believe that any dogs go to heaven. Well, it's, it's debated. I mean, we can't say dogmatically. You know, Bonaventure argued they do. Um, Aquinas argued they don't. Right. They we can't. The universe. We can't dogmatically say that they do or don't. But you said some Fidos over other Fidos, so you need to right. clean up what you're saying to a certain extent. Are you Bonaventure or are you Francis? What's going on? And I mean Francis of Assisi, not Pope <laughs> Francis. Ooh. Um, I am, I am more of the Aquinas idea because I can't see how, if we describe heaven as the beatific vision and knowing God completely, 
just as completely as we are capable in our in our human soul. I can't see how a non-rational being that relies on instinct, like a dog, can benefit from heaven. I don't see how it can appreciate the beatific vision. There is a heaven for dogs. It's just not the one we think of. It's one where, like, every five minutes the doorbell rings, and then someone throws a tennis ball, and then there's food there. That's heaven for dogs. I would love to have a human appreciate me as much as a dog does. When it doesn't see you for a while, and, like, you come home, it's like, hey! Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, every every time. My brother's dog doesn't do that, though. He's not to me. He does that to my brother, but not to me. It, it it is a bashful animal. No, but but the the church has actually wrestled at least from a theological point of view, not from a dogmatic point of view, but from a theological point of view on if extraterrestrials are found, could they be baptized? Could salvation happen? Could they be made part of the church, the body of Christ? Can they make it to heaven? And again, there's debate on that, just like with dogs, but it's interesting to see some of the arguments. Mm. Uh, Did you look into any of that, Adam? I did. I was reading an article from uh, the Crux in 2017 that uh, Pope Francis essentially said in 2014 that, and I quote, if an expedition of Martians arrives and some of them come to us, and if one of them says... Me, I want to be baptized. What would happen? And the Pope said, uh, baptize me. Yeah. I mean, I was looking at an article from uh, the University of Notre Dame, and basically they were looking at that too. Basically, they were going back to sort of the Aquinas model, which draws from, and I'm blanking on his name. We actually had a member for test, actually, for Fortin, Adam. And I can't remember, it's the Greek dude I like categorized all types of living organisms. Remember that dude? I do not remember that guy. Phyletic tree or something like that. But basically the Notre Dame article was based around the idea of running with Aquinas and saying that what differentiates man from animal, so what makes us made in the image of likeness of God is our rationality. So like, again, I think it was Philo. I could be wrong here. It was an ancient Greek philosopher. He said, you know, you have animate and inanimate. You have plant and animal. And then under animal, you have beast, which relies on instinct. And then you have man, which is the rational animal. And Aquinas ran with that. And this argument from Notre Dame was basically applying that. Like, look, if if these creatures have rationality, if they can distinguish right from wrong, if they can reason through problems and not rely on instinct, then they can be saved by the incarnation basically saying that you know the incarnation it's not so much that god became human at that point but it's that god became creature the incarnation that entering into the created world of the rational creature see that makes more sense because i was trying to understand it from the standpoint of if oh God did incarnate himself here on earth and God became man. What does the incarnation look like in a potential uh, ET environment or ET world? Is there a second, third, fourth, 
upteenth number of incarnations throughout uh, the the entire universe, or um, you know, what? is the World Council of um, intergalactic Catholics celebrating <laughs> the same sort of mass or having the same sort of belief systems? Does that uh, incarnational element look like um, what what does it look like for them? We're starting to give away the plot of the next Star Wars movie, by the way. <laughs> Sorry, spoiler alert. <laughs> well, I do think that is, you know, part of the heart of the question, isn't it? Is where and why and then how does incarnation and sacraments and all that work? You know, because clearly, like, you know, if they've been living in the Andromeda galaxy or something like that, invincible ignorance would clearly come in because there's no way they could have known of the incarnation unless God did like, you know, let's, let's not lie. Unless the Mormons are right and God after the <laughs> resurrection decided to, you know, magically poof from place to place. Um, but, you know, Will can't, you know, that can't be true because then Brother Will's going to have to, you know, apologize to his uncle. <laughs> but I think it's definitely an interesting question from a theological point of view. But also, you know, from a practical point of view, because whatever creatures, you know, if they ever did find intelligent life, I do think, you know, we got to – I'm sorry. That would scare the bejesus out of me. If they've actually found intelligent life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if they have found a species that's capable of interstellar travel, fast-than-light travel, FLP travel, that would scare the bejesus out of me. I mean, for multiple reasons. One, because that's a technological leap we are nowhere near. And, I mean, just look at the technological leap that, you know, look at World War II. You know, I was looking at a thing. Um, actually, it was a documentary on uh, uh, Dr. Joe Medicine Crow. The last war chief of the Crow people. Um, to become a war chief in the Crow people, to become a leader by right, you have to first lead a successful mission into enemy territory without losing a single man or having a single man be injured. And he did that when he crossed the um, line of the Germany to blow up a machine bunker. You have to count coup, which means you have to, for the crow, it's not simply as like the Sioux, you could just touch an enemy and run away. For the crow, you have to subdue him. You have to get him to yield. And you have to actually, actually ask. So the third thing is capture his weapon or a weapon of an enemy without killing him. And then the fourth, steal a horse. And this is where it becomes important, the tech issue. You know, you're like, oh, World War II, the era of tanks and planes and, you know, V-2 rockets and the atomic bomb. Where are you going to find a horse, right? And here's the thing. That's actually how the German army, the German high command, knew they had lost the war. If you look at internal reports, it was because the American army at D-Day, we showed up with enough mechanized troops, enough jeeps, enough tanks, enough things for our people to drive places. We had refined enough oil. We had produced enough engines. We could do it. Something like, I think the stat said something like a third of the German army, like mm -hmm. officer corps, were using horses. Mm. Now, think of that tech difference there. You know, that jump. Now, if we're dealing with something that's actually able to, like, warp space and time or something, and, you know, warp travel or wormhole travel or do whatever, slipstream, whatever, you know, pick your pick your uh, sci-fi of choice 
to get faster than light and come here. What do you think they're going to do if they turn that to war? Mm. And the other thing is, you know, um, what's his name? Mikakaru, the Korean astrophysicist. Michio Kaku. Michio Kaku. Michio Kaku pointed out something very good. I'm going to play another clip here. Um, But Michio Kaku pointed something out, basically looking at if there was a species capable of this, this is probably what would happen. This is probably factors they would have to be from, descended from. Basically, three things made us intelligent. One is our eyesight, stereo eyesight. We have the eyes of a hunter, stereo vision, so we lock in on targets. And uh, who is smarter, predator or prey? Predators are smarter than prey. Why is that? Hunters have to zero in on the target. They have to know how to ambush. They have to know how to hide, camouflage, sneak up, stealth, deceit. That takes a lot of intelligence. Second is the thumb. The opposable thumb of some sort could be a claw or tentacle. So hand-eye coordination. Hand-eye coordination is the way we manipulate the environment. And then three, language. So these are the three basic ingredients of intelligence. So when we meet aliens from outer space, chances are they will have been descended from predators of some sort. They'll have some way to manipulate the environment and communicate their knowledge to the next generation. Mm. So do you really want to come across a faster-than-light-capable predator species? Mm. I feel like, you know, there's obviously going to be bad eggs in every batch. Hell, we have them here on Earth with people like Pol Pot, Hitler, Mussolini, Stalin, any number of bad humans that we could list off of. True. But maybe extraterrestrials aren't of that warring sort of class or species the way that humans are. Maybe there's peace um, among them. Or maybe their technology is so far advanced that uh, going from universe to universe or galaxy to galaxy is uh, to suck up resources is not something that they need. Uh, if they're flying potentially through time and space or warping from one place to another, you know, maybe maybe there's not a violent streak to them. And the only reason I, I say that is uh, I was listening to a podcast, a uh, guy by the name of Sean Ryan, The Sean Ryan Show. Have you guys heard about that? No, yeah. not me, man. Yeah, okay. No. All right. So I'll, I'll send the link to you because we probably will have to have some sort of a follow-up to this, but uh, he talked to a guy by the name of Dr. Uh, Stephen Greer, who is the uh, director, uh, he's a retired ER doctor, and a physician turned in his life to a research of UFO and UAP phenomena, Um, and in that episode that he talked to, is episode number 48, uh, he said that aliens became interested in Earth with the detonation of the first nuclear weapon because yeah. uh, atomic bombs somehow have an effect in the ripple of space and time. I mean, that makes sense. The Stephen Greer, actually, I know that name because he actually, in the 90s, the mid-90s, actually said that he worked at um, Area 51, you know, Dreamland, and uh, he said, actually, the alien spacecraft they had there used elements 
with atomic number 115 because it was stable as the fuel supply. At the time he said that, on the periodic table, we didn't have an element 115. But guess what was found by joint scientists, American and Russian, I believe in 2003? Element 115. Element 115. <laughs> a stable, very high, powerful, potent, that could potentially be used for a massive power supply. Mm -hmm. Hard to create. But once it's there, it's stable. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, why, why the crazy guy? It, it's like when the Mormons point out, like in the Book of Mormon, that at Jericho in the Bronze Age, there's descriptions of iron swords, and that one dude finds an iron sword in Jericho that dates back to the Bronze Age. And the Mormons like, ha, see? <laughs> oh, why did it have to exist? Mm. But, I mean, and there's, there's, I think there's hope for that. Because actually, I, I actually this summer I, I was talking to Will about this earlier. One of the books I've read, well, you know, I don't really read. I've listened to the audio book like six times at this point. Like they are getting a lot of my YouTube premium money. I ain't gonna lie, because like a six-hour audio book, and I'm just, just play it, play it, play it, play it. it is uh, an audio book that initially started as a Reddit story called "Why Humans Avoid War," and it's set in sort of a future time where basically there's a Star Trek Federation and humans have joined it and they're considered the least violent of all of the species in the Federation. They're ranked 2 out of 16 on aggression. And 16 that seems kind of arbitrary. Yeah, 16 is the, is, I mean, is the high. 100 is kind of arbitrary too. Why is 100 <laughs> the ceiling? True. That's true. We're just so used to it. Right. But um... But there's a line where – so basically humans show up to – there's an enemy, a big bad that comes in called the Devourers. At least that's what they call them. They call them the Devourers. And um, the three most violent species, according to the aggression index, the 14, the 15, go to war with them. And they're getting just destroyed. Thousands of ships just getting destroyed. And the humans show up with a, with a fleet of five. And they're like, you know, thank you for showing up. You know, we didn't expect much. Thank you. Um, help cover our retreat. And the humans are like, what, what, what do you mean retreat? We're here to jack them up. And the head of the Federation's armada is like, with five ships? Come on, man. And then they proceed to just decimate, just decimate the entire devourer fleet. Just like, just like straight up crazy. And then it leads to a, a hearing in their Senate. And they're describing it, and they'll get to the point. The line that comes up is the speaker of their Senate basically says, it's weird because a species this violent, species that had millions of deaths among their own world in wars, a species that can come up with weapons that can destroy fleets of invading enemies, should have destroyed themselves long ago. Mm. And I do think that is a factor because, like, if you think about, like, the tech advance that would require yourself to get faster than light, I mean, if you didn't get past this petty, we kill you over some petty land issue thing, if you didn't truly get to a, we're going to care for our species, we're going to care for our world, we're going to do what needs to be done, you're probably going to destroy yourself. I mean, think about how many times we've come close. You know, I mean, heck, you know, we, you know, when we were flying hydrogen bombs around because we're afraid the Russians could have first strike capability, we almost nuked North Carolina. 
two separate bombs. You know, we dropped bombs of agreement. And, and I think one of those is still missing over North Carolina somewhere, too. Not missing. They know where it is. It's just unrecoverable, according to the government. <laughs> yeah. How's that make you feel? Yeah. <laughs> I don't trust them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's definitely one of these, I think, interesting scenarios where if you develop the power, the potential to do interstellar, interstellar travel, either one of two things is going to happen. We're going to have to go full on Klingon and just conquer everything that comes into place. Or we're going to have to be like Vulcans and be like, got well above our violent history. Mm. Yeah, I'm digging deep into my uh, sci-fi lore here. We're talking about aliens. What do you want? Well, are we going to talk about aliens in the Catholic perspective, or are we going to talk about your sci-fi lore fascination? I mean, either works. We got a, we got a half hour. Adam, what's what's your take on the whole thing? I think that if we are to look at what aliens are and if they do show up here and they are rational beings and they have a corporal form and they're not just sort of like this an intelligence like an AI type of thing then I think it's a valid question and commentary that would have to happen on whether or not we are able to share a faith because we believe that God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. These people or these beings are coming from the heavens. So there is a shared, um, in some fashion, corporal experience. Might not be the same corporal that we have, but there has to be... Uh, uh, they have their own reality and their own being and essence and the, that whatness of makes them what they are or who they are so if they're coming here and they ask and ask for baptism or ask to share in that uh, life or maybe they are baptized already and we have no idea and what that looks like i think i'm not as afraid as father demetrius uh, says he is because i don't necessarily think that it's going to be um, a warring type of event. I think it's going to be more of a, um, a curiosity type of event. I don't think that they're going to come here with the, uh, looking to blow us up or suck out our brains of any kind. Mm. So you apply it. You, you subscribe to the Joe Rogan philosophy. <laughs> You know the Joe Rogan response to his idea about aliens? I, probably he wants to smoke weed with them or something. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, basically, his, his point, Rogan argues um, that he thinks that aliens see Earth as like Vegas. <laughs> He's like, if you Interesting. Think about it, like, if you think about the people that have been you know, abducted, if you think about the stories, you think about the stuff that like the, the interaction. He's like, it doesn't sound like you're dealing with scientists. It sounds like you're dealing with frat boys that have decided to take a weekend bender somewhere. Mm. It's like, we're the Vegas of the universe. Mm -hmm. Like, 
Oh, what do you want to do this weekend? Well, you know what? Let's let's get wasted and let's go mess with the hairless monkeys. Yeah. Reminds me of an SNL skit. I think it's called Strange Encounter or First Encounter or something. Is that skit with Ryan Gosling and uh, Cecily Strong and uh, Kate McKinnon? Kate McKinnon kind of plays a uh, like a middle-aged woman, and then Cecily Strong and Ryan Gosling play more uh, like uh, young hippies, and, but they all got abducted and they're being they're being interviewed. You're by, popping at them. They're being interviewed by like two NASA people, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Gosling and Cecily Strong, their experiences were very like, well, you know, we like we met God and like all this kind of hippie stuff. Uh-huh. And then you know, Kate's more like realistic, like, oh, they they made me pee in a bucket and watch me do it, like. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry yeah. about the popping. Uh, my uh, thing that I have plugged in to record the podcast uh, was about to die, so I had to go find a plug-in charge for it. Ah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, definitely always want to be on battery. Uh, you don't want to be running on battery, but It told me it was supposed to have, like, a three-hour charge to it, but uh, that was a lie. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Those uh, those, um, those Z-Links, yeah, they lie. We're learning. So, We're learning as we go. Yeah, but, but what you're doing is very portable. Like, that is a very portable thing, dude. Um, and they are nice in that aspect because you can actually just get a good, like, um, so for those listening here, we're going to go a little tech mood right here. I use a Rode Podcaster Pro mixing board. It has a lot of buttons, a lot of fun stuff. That way I can, like, if I really need to bleep, I can just bleep somebody real quick. Um, Adam's using, uh, forget the name of it. It's a Zoom PodTrack P4. That's it, the Zoom PodTrack P4, which is a lot more compact, but it has a lot of the same features but it's designed more for running on the run, whereas mine is a lot harder to pack up and move just because of the size. Um, yeah, I could put this yeah, in my backpack and record anywhere. Exactly. Um, but it's definitely... Yeah, the battery life is not what they advertise. Um, but it is chargeable um, over... Uh, uh, you can hook a battery bank up to it, which I highly recommend. Just like mine, I actually bought, I haven't had to use it yet, but in case we ever take this somewhere, Bill, I actually have uh, one of those portable bricks with a power outlet mm. so that we can actually just run this completely remote, with yeah. phantom mics, everything, um, which we might have to do because I do want to get uh, our uh, Dane, uh, our judo instructor, who has just a, had an interesting martial arts life. I want to get him on the record. Mm. So we might have to take this to the gym. But, no, but definitely, so long as we're back and we're rocking and rolling. Um, But, no, I definitely think the whole alien encounter thing, I do think, like, look, if they've been here so far and they haven't eaten us yet, they're probably not going to. Mm. I will agree with that. You know, I doubt the whole, like, Independence Day invasion thing is going to occur. Can't guarantee it. Mars attack. Right. <laughs> you know, no War of the Worlds, no no craziness. Yeah. But I do think, again, you know, we are disproportionately disadvantaged. If somebody can do faster than light, we got a problem. Well, somebody said, 
forget who it was, because someone said to me, well, if aliens existed, wouldn't they be? Don't you think God would have mentioned them in the Bible? Or, and uh, I'm like, well, dinosaurs are also not in the Bible. <laughs> right. But they existed, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> it might be a conspiracy, but just because they don't appear there doesn't mean they don't exist. I mean... <laughs> We still have dinosaurs that exist today. We've got the alligators and some of those uh, things that live in the ocean with the whales or the sh- whale sharks, things that live for... Yeah, you know, can't, man. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things that are not listed in the Bible and then even some things that are listed in the Bible that don't exist today. You know, mm-hmm. One of my brothers that... Uh, um, that Demetrius knows well, or knows, um, he asks constantly about the Nephilim. Mm. Mm. And I mean, that's definitely not something we want to go. It's a rabbit hole. I don't want to go down tonight, but <laughs> you know, they, right. they exist. So maybe, so are those the so aliens? Oh, uh, that could be interesting, right? That's but then the Nephilim were supposed to have been destroyed. So, Right. To those who don't know their Bible, the Nephilim, according to Scripture, are the mixing, they're the offspring of angels or fallen angels and humans, so like half-breeds. So think of like uh, the movie Constantine, like the classic movie Constantine, um, where you have the half-breeds that are running around the world. The mudbloods in Harry Potter. Yeah, mud blood. I thought you said you wanted to keep this a nice, clean podcast, and now we're throwing around words like mudbloods. Come on now. It is a slur in Harry Potter world, isn't it? It is. (laughs) Well, we need a slur for aliens. I'm tired of this. We need a word. We call them ETs. (laughs) That's true, but that's just an abbreviation of extraterrestrial. Uh, we we don't need a slur for aliens. I'm just kidding about that. That's how you start wars, Bill. <laughs> That's right. Demetrius was definitely trying to think of one there. I was. I'm not going to lie. I was. And I can create one. And this create is why one. we're all friends. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but I, I – well, I do think – you know, that was one thing actually I said, um, the whole ET thing. Like that was one thing where I was like – I was convinced they did not have any data. And you know why I was convinced of it? Donald Trump. <laughs> With as much things he put on Twitter, do you if they think had briefed that anybody on... in the government would have told him anything about that? But that raises other problems then. Like if you're not telling the president that we have proof of extraterrestrial life and we're like back engineering their stuff. Like come on. Like, everybody since everybody who's been president since Eisenhower, I feel like, has been compartmentally um, segregated from all the information of government. That would, and for those of you who don't know uh, government type stuff, that's essentially since the onset of the CIA. I mean, I could see that. I could see that. Because, like, I, I had that happen to me at the nonprofit. I used to work for a nonprofit before I became a monk, and there was stuff that I was supposed to know as a case manager, but I was it was deemed by the higher-ups of the nonprofit that I was not allowed that information because, quote, you won't say anything, but your face will give it away. <laughs> I mean, even the church has things that are compartmentalized. You can't know this information. 
You might need oh, to yeah, know like, it, but you can't know it. Like the secrets of Fatima. I mean, for the longest time, they were kept secret. Some argue they still are. Or even pontifical secrets, or if, uh, you know, somebody were to get a uh, questionnaire about, is this priest suitable to be bishop? You That's know, true. All of that is kept right. secret. I'm sure That's regular true, people have... don't know that, you know, that sort of consultation goes out among the presbyterate and That's select true, lay have... people. If you ever get a scrutinium about me, you better lie. Because you know if I get a job, you're going to have to move. Well, somebody has to be your chief of staff and keep you accountable. <laughs> <laughs> Someone would have to keep me out of trouble. <laughs> nah, but, but, but all, you know, all kidding aside, I, I definitely think you might be right there. They, they might just not have told him. <laughs> like, you know, if we tell him that's going on, um, oh, somebody's trying to buzz in. That is my mother. Hold on. I am going to send her to voicemail. Oh, no, no, no. Answer it. She should no. definitely be part of this conversation. <laughs> no. Climb. You're talking about what? <laughs> I mean, but I definitely think uh, I I could see that. I could see them looking at him and being like, "Yep, no. If we tell him this, it will be on Twitter in 25." <laughs> let's nope. let's look at this for a second. George Bush Senior was the director of the CIA. Do you think he told Bill Clinton anything? Probably not. Do you think no. they told George Bush Jr. anything? Probably not. Do you think they told Obama? Maybe. Trump? Maybe. No. Biden? Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> Come on, what you got against Sleepy Joe? <laughs> His sleepiness. <laughs> but all kidding aside, I kind of think that, uh, you know... We can make the jokes about it with the political sphere or the society, but if we're to actually sit back and try to think about this with the mind of Aquinas or Bonaventure or any of the other uh, great doctors of the church, the question is, there might be something, there's probably something, we may never know about the something, but we want to look at the practical end of things of what if the something comes and makes itself known? Right. I mean, you can always play the what if. I mean, that's one of the great things about intellectualism. You can put your in someone else's shoes. You can speculate as to what is likely to happen, what could happen. You can run down those rabbit holes. At least, you know, well, in certain spheres you can now. In certain spheres it's considered inappropriate to to do that apparently mm-hmm. but yeah well, I agree with that definitely agree with that I mean I gotta think we're on one planet in one solar system in one galaxy in an infinite number of galaxies or an ever expanding number of galaxies yeah you know the idea that there's just nothing else out there doesn't make wouldn't make sense to me true true you got any more Plus sci-fi uh, relevant things coming at you for uh, for this conversation? Well, I mean, you know, I mean, I definitely think, you know, you could. I mean, I do find it interesting that most sci-fi where they deal with extraterrestrials, they definitely have always factions. So I do think there are 
if we did find extraterrestrial life, once we find one, then the odds of there being a lot out there is pretty likely. Right. Now, until you find that first one, like, eh, mm-hmm. you know, you're multiplying by zero, which, you know, is zero, I think. I'm not a math guy. Yeah, um, that is one thing you're for math. That checks out. <laughs> good, good. Um, but, uh, but once you find one, then, yeah, you got an infinite number of possibilities. But I do think, you know, one thing we've seen is in a lot of sci-fi and a lot of, like, human thinking about this issue, there's always federations. There's always groups. And there does occasionally become conflict between different groups. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you think of, like, Star Trek, you know, in the early days, like Star Trek, the original series, you have the Klingons are the bad guys. In the next generation, you have the uh, Romulans. In the Deep Space Nine, you have the Dominion. You know, as you expand out, you find different federations, different goals, different ideas, different philosophies. Kind of like the Benedictines. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we we are the order of disorder according to Leo the Thirteenth. Um, but yeah, sorry, it was just too I, I good did. of a comparison not to make. <laughs> We are sort of alien to secular society. The way we live, in some ways. For sure. For sure. Now, I have a going in with the whole sci fi thing and conspiracies and whatnot. I have one of those Amazon Alexa things that uh, Alexa stop. She just st- started listening to me. Um, but uh-huh. on its uh, display screen, it just said Watch Men in Black. And I was like, hmm, I think you're listening a little too passively. We're talking about <laughs> aliens, and now you're giving me movie suggestions. Uh, yeah, that is frightening how much that... Though, it's frightening, and at the same time, it is convenient. Like, I remember a couple months ago, um, me and... Uh, I was actually at Jiu-Jitsu, me and Pete, uh, Skinny Pete. Um, well, he's the only Pete that's there now, because the other Pete, now his job changed, so it changed again. But um, we, we were talking about how my uh, Adidas gi ripped. And I was like, oh, I really want to get like a hemp gi, like an Origin or a Dazzasara, but I can't justify 200 bucks when I can get one for 115 Yeah, I just can't justify it. Like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And my phone was there. His phone was there. And then like a day later, I got a discount code for Dazzasara to get one of their hemp gis for like 118 <laughs> And I'm like, I'm looking at the phone. I'm like, you, you, you eavesdropping little mm. thing, you. Men in Black was a great movie, though. I love that movie when it came out. Dude, that was a good movie. I'd still watch it today. I think it would still hold up today. Oh, for sure. The original one? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just now the question is, where's the line of uh, creepy to convenient for all of this mm. tech? Because once we get into this uh, new age of technology with the UFOs or the UAPs or the aliens or the AIs or whatever we happen to come across, it's going to be a lot faster, a lot more intrusive, but a heck of a lot more convenient. So where's that line? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, here's a fun question that just popped in my head. I'll ask this to the table. If aliens are doing, like, space-time manipulation, say they can travel through space and time, they can travel through time, 
is there anything in history or your life you'd want to either go back and redo, change, relive, anything? Like if that new tech opens up, if tomorrow you wake up and you could change one thing, but they're only going to give you one. One thing about your life? One thing about history or your life, yeah. About history? Anything. Kill you, Hitler. You're going to kill Hitler? <laughs> mm. No, that's just like the classic, like, what would you do if you could go back in time? Right. That's right. I'd go back to whoever made the rule of you only get to change it once and then change that rule so we could, you know, <laughs> change all the screw-ups. Ooh. That's a good you're question. Put, you're putting limitations on something that... I'm putting limitations on the genie in the bottle, for sure. Right. Absolutely. So change the genie. Well, there's actually a, a theory among people that argue that time travel could be possible. They argue that time travel would only be possible after the point which time travel is invented. That it would create like a breach in reality. That you could, that time would no longer be linear after time travel is invented. But because of that, you would never be able to tweak time before or after. But then you got that dude in the early 2000s who called into that sci-fi radio show. I forget his name. Um, but he argued that he was a time traveler and he was trying to save the world from a computer virus and figure out what was going wrong. So the way he said he fixed stuff was because it would create a break in reality. Would be he'd travel back in time. You wouldn't change space, but you change time. And that he would do what he needed to do, take what he needed to take, travel back a millisecond more, and then shoot forward. So it would bypass his like tweak of the timetable. So my brain is, you know, cooking right now. It's percolating a thought process of you know we talk about space and time but we also speak of having an omnipotent and omnipresent god yep. who exists outside of the space and time yep so if we are able to travel through space and time all willy-nilly and being able to warp or wormhole or whatever uh, words you want to use to describe those actions, then, you know, if there is no north-south or no rising of the sun or setting of the sun and you're able to do all of those things, is that going to make the person who's able to do this the de facto god or is this going to lead to uh, redef redefining what time is. I would say it's going to redefine what time is because to me, saying God's omnipotent is a limitation there too because remember, we also say that God is existent. So like if we can change time and space, whatever, yeah, we're messing with stuff inside of existence, but we're not holding it into reality. Whereas God is the guarantor of reality. Sort of like the classic, you know, Jay and Silent Bob situation from Dogma. Great classic Dogma. I like how you can, you can, you can equate this deep theology to Jay and Silent Bob. It's what I do. It's <laughs> what I do. That's why I'm popular with the kids. Because like in, in the movie Jay and Silent Bob, um, in the movie Dogma, the whole idea is that two angels that were banished to Wisconsin have found a loophole to get back into heaven. And they have to be stopped because God has banished them from heaven for all eternity. 
And the idea, like the angel says to the uh, the last Zion in the movie, well, no, they have to be stumped. Well, why? Because God can't be proved wrong. Well, why? Because God is the game guarantor of existence. If God is proved wrong, there's no existence. And that's a sloppy shorthand, but I do think, to me... It holds water. It, it holds water. Because, yeah, if we could change space and time, we're still not the person holding space and time into existence. I think my thought was there's something, too, when God banished these these angels, that they were banished to Wisconsin. That seems like a very intentional choice. Well, it is the only place in the U.S. with a confirmed Marian apparition. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, but it's also the whole Green Bay Packers. That's yeah. true. The only God, team. God's team. Well, no. Whoa, whoa, uh... whoa, whoa. <laughs> Listen, well, no, I don't, it's, I it's, don't know, uh, Brother Will... Uh, where your background is from, but you're talking to the fans of two franchises who share six Super Bowl victories. So take a back seat because I don't think you're <laughs> part of that club. My uncle's a big Packers fan. I'm a Giants fan. Yeah, my, but my condolences. <laughs> but the like, people you know here, how the, how the Cowboys call themselves America's team. Mm. Which kind of, what, Packers should start to call themselves God's team. It's a rating, Ooh. not a logo. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this, speaking of Super Bowls, how many of you have held a Lombardi trophy? I have. Have you? Yeah, I got, a, I got one made from a Little Falls trophy. No, no, like, no, like no, one no. Of the, Holding like the one of the Lombardi legit. trophies. Yes, the real. I have I held make one. Me a, make me a Lombardi trophy, they didn't have it. I, I've, ca- <laughs> I've carried at least two. How'd you, how'd you come across that? I was actually doing a vocation visit slash working on a paper at St. Vincent, and it was training camp. Ah. And it was the year after Cower won his victory. And uh, and I'm there helping uh, Max's father. Well, he's now father. At the time, he was just a novice. Uh, Maximilian Maxwell from Vincent, like, moved some stuff up, and we're carrying all these boxes. And there's security with us. And I looked at him. I said, dude, what's, what's in the boxes? He's like, Lombardi trophy. Like, what? What? Now, what, again, what's sad is this is like pre, like, good cell phone camera days. And, like, I'm at a monastery. So, like, the monks aren't running around, especially in offices with a cell phone. So, like, I have no, like, photo of me, like, like Wait, just, who's like, holding? Who's got a digital camera? Right, hmm. right. You know, but I was there. I got to hold the actual Lombardi. I was like, dude, this is awesome. Oh yeah, no, I got, I got the whole two. You weren't throwing it off of your off of your boat like Tom Brady was. Not the Stanley Cup. No, wasn't Tom Brady throwing the yeah. party trophy yeah. off his boat or something? Well, but, he threw it from one boat to another boat. Yeah. yeah, but the Lombardi Trophy, not like the Stanley Cup. The Stanley Cup, every player gets to take home. Every member of the staff. Every yeah, staff coaches to yeah. wow. front office people. I think like manager, GM yep. type people. I don't think yep. like. I don't think the not, media team gets it. No, not the media team. It, it, the hot dog. You only get 365 days. The hot dog concession person. But there's like 360 some days where that's your trophy to do with with your staff. So like there, there there's many a picture of many a, a hockey player taking the Stanley Cup, the actual Stanley Cup, into the garage 
and like half of the hammer on then because they did stupid, stupid, foolish, drunken things with the Stanley Cup. So many drunk things. And I'm still annoyed. Uh, my godfather, uh, not my godfather, my godson's mother and husband, um, because they were friends with one of the guys on, I forget what team it was. It might have been the Capitals. But they got invited to his day with the cup. So they got to drink champagne on a Lord Stanley. And I'm like, oh, lucky. And it was just, it, and it was in Allentown. So like it's not like it was so far away. I'm just like, you couldn't call? Like I'm not the best driver, but I would have drove for that. Mm. Um now, what that's kind of probably why they didn't call. Yeah, I know. I would have showed up crashing that. What kind of material is the Stanley Cup made of? I think it's silver, isn't it? So I think it's sterling silver. Yeah, I know the I know the bull itself is sterling silver. I don't know what the podium is. I would have to guess yeah. that it's the same material. I would assume. Would you say that that's the coolest trophy among the major sports? It's not even an well, argument. Yeah, no, nah, no, nah, yeah, it definitely is. The Lombardi Trophy is just like kind of like a. They make a new Lombardi Trophy every year. Yeah. Mm. They make like a new the World Series trophy. They make a new NBA trophy every year. They do not make more Stanley Cups. In fact, they mm. retire the rings after X amount of years, and yeah. then they put a new thing on the bottom. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, the the cup is the cup. That is cool that it's like a... Now, they have a backup. They do have one that's already been made as a backup, just in case like it goes down in the ocean somewhere. But like it is the cup. Mm. When you hoist it, when you you know when you're like I think it was Afghani Malkin or somebody from the Penguins had their kid baptized in it. It was baptized in the cup. <laughs> what about like MLS? What does their uh, trophy look like? Soccer. I don't know. To know that, I'd have to watch soccer. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't. I only watched... know Stanley Cup, Lombardi Trophy. I mean, what like the NBA? What is their trophy? Is it just a big basketball? It's a basketball going into a basket type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it, it looks like the Lombardi Trophy a little bit, a little bit like Art Deco, like straight line. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I mean, you also and have was, this thing called Google that you could just look up on your phone to see what it looks like, too. True. That takes a lot of work, though, dude. I mean, and like ML, MLB, I don't like that they call it the World Series because it's not the world. You got it's players like, from all over the world who come to play in the premier baseball league in the world. Yeah, but uh, that's why it's know. called the I, World I think, Series. I think to call yourself the world champion when you're playing in an American baseball league, I think that's stupid. Well, that's like, uh, like it's the premier like, baseball league. It is, but you happens not, you're to be in the biggest sports market in the world. I mean, yeah, I didn't want to get into the whole. American is the best type of thing, but it's they're called world champions for a reason. You've got the best athletes in the world coming to play these sports in this country. They're not doing it in Saudi Arabia. Messi didn't sign a billion dollar contract in Saudi Arabia. He came to play in Miami. Mm, I think it's a little presumptuous to say that the, the oh, of course MLB it is. Always, it helps. Always, it helps my argument. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's presumptuous to say that the MLB always has the world's best baseball players. That's not true, right? Otani was in the Jap- you know, Japanese leagues for 
X amount of years. And where is he playing now? Playing the best well, yeah, baseball he's ever played? That's what I'm saying is that you, the, the, the MLB doesn't always have the world's best athletes. No, they come here to play from yes. the secondary and tertiary leagues around the world. And even Correct. in the Stanley Cup, uh, it's like corp- it's a letter saying that it goes to the premier league uh, of hockey in the world. So if the NHL ever isn't the premier hockey league, then they lose the right to the Stanley Cup. That's true. Though this does raise an interesting and downright evil question then. If this is how we're describing the world champions of the Premier League is where the best people play, right? Then does that mean that Russia is a better WNBA team? Being that like Brittany Griner and them all go play there too. <laughs> it's a great question. One that I'm not anywhere near uh, well-versed <laughs> enough to try to attempt to tackle. Yeah, you need see, a... <laughs> if you have something like the World Cup, where right. all these countries get Oh, yeah, no, that's together, legit. Or the then Olympics. you can call yourself a world champion because you're oh, the best for team sure. in the world. For sure. Or like Nick and Austin, yeah. literally going to Mongolia to fight Russians and Germans and Slovenians and, mm-hmm. you know, different people. Like, legit. We well, this is one of, I guess, semantically is why English is such a terrible language is because we just sort of soak up words that other people use to describe things. So we call it world champions, and we use it interchangeably with just champion. So the champions of the world, you've got the best players from around the world coming here to play in a specific sport. Um, I don't think that you know the MLS is calling themselves the world champions because they're a tertiary market at best. Um, oh, yeah, you've for got sure. You know, the jujitsu people, you know, it's not Americans who are the best at that. You've got, um, you know, while they then, have rising stars, they're not the, you know, the pinnacle of the sport. I, you know, you don't. I got to stop you right there. Oh, the okay. best, okay. objectively speaking, the best grappler right now in the world is an American from New Jersey. Okay. Gordon I'm happy Ryan. to be wrong. I'm just saying. I mean, in. In a recognized well, right, but like, sporting No, you're right, complex. because you have IBJJF, where the World Championship is in Brazil. You have ADCC, Abu Dhabi Combat Club, Abu Dhabi Combat Club, where it's literally in Abu Dhabi. I mean, but yeah, those are definitely... Also, I'd like to note that we're on a 20-minute tangent off of Brother Bill uh, <laughs> making a statement of uh, football teams that has led us down this path. <laughs> That's how this rule. No script, no rule. This is what kind other of, than don't swear into the mic. This is what kind of gift God's team brings us. <laughs> but no, but I definitely think it's been an interesting conversation. I definitely think, you know, the whole like non human biologics to go back to that clip is an interesting question because we definitely have different things that, that could mean. Again, it doesn't mean necessarily extraterrestrial. Right. So he strongly seems to imply that. Um, but at the same time, even if it is extraterrestrial, that doesn't end the conversation. Right. And the okay. non human biologic, it was referring to the pilots of the aircraft that was recovered. Well, that was Correct. what the question was. But he, nowhere did he say it was the pilots that were non human. 
just said that said non-human non biologics were recovered. Were recovered from from the craft. So again, that could mean that they had, you know, a human took a dog up with them. Some Russian took a Sputnik. Yeah, three. but then if, if that were the case, why wouldn't they just want to say that? Sensationalism. Headline. You were a journalism major? Yeah, but okay, now you're going to have a whole congressional committee because you guys you guys have an aircraft of a human that took a dog up there. You're going to have a whole committee hearing over this? I mean, to be fair, the f federal government has wasted money on worse things. Yeah, how how many hearings have we had on everything? Well, I mean, the government. I mean, not, done, again, I don't, not to, I don't, not to be I don't think that that's worthy of a of a. I mean, oh, neither do I. I don't think it's like, worthy of the time. Is, but. is it just okay? Yeah, we recovered. You know, we recovered a a, a an unidentified flying object with a non-human biologic, and it turns out that it's just a pilot that took a bird up there. I don't think that that's what they're talking about. Oh, neither do I. And I think it's strongly implied that that's not what they're talking about. But at the same time, on the record, he did not say we have found extraterrestrial life. Correct. And for background, the guy that we're talking about, his name is David Grush. He's a native of Pittsburgh. He yeah. was a decorated combat officer with the U.S. Air Force in the Afghan War. Um, and he is a veteran of the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency and the National Reconnaissance Office. So his uh, you know, credentials, that's where he's coming in and talking about. Uh, he was a representative of the National Reconnaissance Office to the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force. So the government has these agencies set up so there has to be something that they're monitoring. If it was an animal, why wouldn't he just say animal? Why would he say non-human biologic? Because there's classifications and people can only speak and say certain things to non... Why, why wouldn't he be allowed to say he had an animal on board? Because maybe that's details that he can't give. I mean, like I remember there's a story of Hillary Clinton when she was Secretary of State. She was taking notes in a meeting. Um, I forget what it was on, but something that Afghanistan. And uh, one of the generals saw her taking notes and uh, just leaned over as she was done, took out his pen and went, top secret clearance, compartmental, Afghanistan. And it circled it on top of the page in front of like over everything and in front of everybody. And she looked up at him and he went, what, did you, did you think that this was public information? And so there is that element. Like, you can get a lot of inf like, Again, like, I have a cousin who's a brigadier general. And, like, when I asked how he got promoted to colonel early after doing some job at a certain location, everyone I've talked to, including him, just goes, oh, he fixed stuff. Yeah, what did he fix? Like, he fixed stuff. I don't know. I don't think, I don't <laughs> think, I don't think the Republicans would be interested in this if, you know. Oh no! I definitely they, think there's something there. They had a bird on the on, on the whatever. Again, I I think he meant to strongly imply. I'm not saying he didn't do it on purpose. He just can't say is, explicitly we got aliens. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. He can't say we have graves. We have reptilians. 
Maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe the crazy lady in the plane actually saw a reptilian. Maybe that they're MF flying commercial now. Real. <laughs> they were the flying commercial, man. God, I love Twitter or X as it's now <laughs> called. Did, did they change it over my app? Didn't update yet. Yeah, I updated it uh, last night. It's now an X. Uh, well, I think Musk is trying to. He wants to kind of be in everything app now. Yeah. And I think that that was kind of the play from the beginning. And this is the next step in that, in that plan. For sure. Musk is no dummy. We had this conversation coming back in the gym today. Musk is no dummy. I mean, there's a reason he's one of the wealthiest people on the planet in history. And I do love that people bust his chops like, the World Health Organization says you could cure world hunger by 2030. And I love his response to that question from reporters. He's like, yeah, but they don't tell me how. They tell me I could do it and still have like $80 billion left, but they don't tell me how. Because that would Only, be a flex. Like, I, I would I, do that just to flex. I would cure world hunger. That way I could do anything. Like, if you cured world hunger, you could get away with anything. Just makes me think of Sam, the, the Sam Kinison bit. He's like, you know, we we donate to all these charities that go to feed people and stuff. Mm-hmm. Does anyone ever tell them to move to where the food is? <laughs> you, you live in a desert. There's no food growing there. Adam, actually, do you remember that conversation I had with Scully back in the day? You were in the class. Oh, there are so many conversations with Scully. Oh, that's true. So, so philosophy class, and we're talking about that. And I, and I just pointed out, I was like, well, one of the major problems is with world hunger is that places where people live don't, at least on mass, don't produce food to feed them. Right. And by the time you transport the food to them, it becomes a problem. Like, yeah, you can produce enough food to feed every human on the planet. Right now we have, at least statistically speaking, the capacity to feed every human being on the planet. A caloric diet so they don't die. Well, that's one of the issues going not. on right now in Ukraine, right? With the yeah, you know, they're the the grain basket for Europe and Africa, uh, yep. and Russia's just blowing up the grain depots. Yep, it's going to cause famine. <laughs> yep, you know, which will eventually force people to have to, to actually pick a side. Yeah, it's coming. That's what. It's coming a lot quicker than people think, I think. Like that that choice, I think, with Biden calling up the people who were on Independent Ready Reserve and everything else, I think, you know, you're going to see NATO getting involved in this a lot sooner than people would have anticipated. And it's not going to be because of nuclear bombs going off. No. But I hate to say it, on that happy note, we are well past an hour. So I don't know what you shoot for, but we shoot for an hour. Um, this is what we have to look forward to, famine and extraterrestrials. Yeah. Hey, maybe E.T. will bring us some magic goop that can, like, maybe we'll get replicator tech. You will just be able to magically produce food. You will eat the bugs. <laughs> and you will like it. <laughs> I didn't know you were a Democrat. <laughs> hey, I'm sure... Plenty of Republicans eat bugs. A good source of protein. No. 
give give me a, give me a good beer. I mean, I will say this: like, if if it ever hits the fan, will I think you'll agree with this? It's good you're my friend. Exactly. You know, people kind of like to sort of look down on people in the country and kind of blue collar people, but when when the the stuff hits the fan, those are the people you're going to want to team up with because those people can kill an animal, they can butcher the animal, they can cook the animal, you know, they can start a fire, yep. all this kind of practical stuff that and you've eaten city how, folk don't know how to do. And you've eaten how I cook medicine. And it's delicious. Speaking exactly. of eating right. things, I think one of the things we should probably close with is that there's a, uh, a show on the Barstool Podcast Network called KFC Radio. And mm-hmm. there's a guy from Massachusetts. His name is John Feidelberg. And in one of their mm-hmm. most recent episodes, he said, you know, it wasn't this isn't something that ever crossed my mind, but what if aliens taste good? And what that if what? might be how the intergalactic wars start. What if, what if aliens taste good, you said? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that does happen in Futurama. Go back to my massive <laughs> knowledge about everything. Well... Leela and Fry and all crash and land on this one planet, and they find something they call poplars, and it turns out to be the Omicron Persei on, And they're eating them like shrimp. Mm. God bless your infinite I, knowledge of useless information. I've always thought I've True. always thought shrimp or prawns as pretentious people. Well, I guess they're different. They are different. Yeah, there are those prawns. People. Prawns. They, they they do look kind of extraterrestrial. Well, that's why, as Glazer pointed out, that's why they're like forbidden, is because they crawl on the bottom like an animal, but they live in the in the water like a like a fish. So, what day of creation were they created on? Probably mm-hmm. in the twilight time. What well, one and a half? Exactly, because it's not a clear cut thing. You can't have it. One of the Jewish rabbi arguments as to why shellfish is forbidden. I think you're really missing out if you're if you're deleting stuff. And thank stuff. God the Archbishop of New Orleans sure. said that alligators counts as seafood. So, dude, <laughs> alligator is good food. I it's know. Good. Tastes like chicken. Yeah, <laughs> little little top, little yeah. stringy, but yeah, it's for quite sure, good. quite good. Oh, now I want to go to the gaslight and get one of those alligator antelope burgers, man. But they're close. Which reminds me, I was at the American Dream Mall last week or the week before. And we went to it. There's a store that's all jerky. Oh, uh, the had, jerky store? I love had, the jerky store. They had python jerky, Ooh. camel jerky, turtle jerky, all this, you know, kind of yeah. exotic jerky. No alien jerky, though. No alien jerky? Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> that's next. That's for the fall collection. And I think we just got our title. <laughs> no <laughs> alien jerky. <laughs> At least not yet. All right, well, I do think we should peace out, Adam. I don't know about you, my brother. Gentlemen, any last thank words you. you want to get in? Pleasure. Um, Thanks, Adam. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Cool. Thank you, my brother. Uh, we're going to end this recording and then uh, just chime in. Hang on the line real quick, Adam. Yep. Uh, this has been Father D. And Brother Will. Where you say hello, Adam. And Adam. <laughs> there we go. All right, catch you next time. Peace. Later. All right.